What's up? It's Brent for the Blogcast. The Redskins made a pretty significant move at the trade deadline, obtaining Hashan, a.k.a. Ha-Ha Clinton Dix from the Packers. I got a few thoughts about that. Okay, this is obviously a pretty bold move for the Redskins, obtaining Haha Clinton Dix, the safety from the Packers. Uh, he's got quite a pedigree, having gone to Alabama and won two national championships. He was a consensus All-American there. He was a first-round pick, and he has played very successfully for a very good organization since he was drafted in 2014. In fact, in 2016, he was a Pro Bowler and a second-team All-Pro safety. The Skins acquired Clinton Dix in exchange for a fourth-round pick in the 2019 draft. This move absolutely makes a lot of sense in a number of ways, uh, and yet also was a little bit of a surprise in some ways. Uh, So I have some takes. Let me try to elaborate. This move went down um, a little less than 24 hours ago, and in that period, I have hardly heard anybody uh, critique the trade from the Redskins side. In other words, I think this has been met with almost universal approval by fans and analysts. I do not have anything smoking hot to say otherwise. I'm, I'm a fan of this trade and of the player, and I think it was smart. In fact, I think it's nice that it was a combination of intelligent and also exciting. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a splashy thing to, to do for the team to do to, to demonstrate that, um, as Howie Roseman of the Eagles said recently uh, for his team, that, that the Redskins have their foot on the gas as they, as they go into you know, these next couple months hoping to make a playoff push. So, you know, there's hype. And there's news and there's, there's intrigue and, and it's nice from that standpoint. But I like that it also um, has a nice, reasonable defense rooted in logic. First of all, what do I think of Clinton Dix as a player? Uh, I think he's a very good safety. I think his record suggests that. Um, I think he's versatile. It seems to me that he's played a lot of sort of free safety or deep middle center field sort of safety for the Packers. But I, I do think that he's capable of uh, playing in the box as well, and he's got good size to him. He's not blazing fast in a straight line, but he's very athletic, and he is a so-called playmaker with very good ball skills. I think his versatility, ball skills, and attitude probably are his greatest strengths. I think his weaknesses probably include tackling, mainly. But in terms of being able to impact a game in a season and making game-changing momentum-swinging plays, I tweeted this out yesterday, between he and Swearinger, who is now likely to be his starting backfield mate um, in, the, in the secondary. Uh, the two of them have recorded a combined seven interceptions, 10 passes defensed, 59 total tackles, two sacks, three forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, and a partridge in a pear tree in their uh, 14 combined games so far in 2018. He's definitely a player that offenses are going to have to think about and scheme around. I absolutely uh, additionally love that the Redskins are adding another former Alabama Crimson Tide dude with that um, fabled resolve and commitment to excellence, along with uh, his his new teammates and, uh, and the Redskins' current starters and stars, John Allen and Deron Payne, among others. As far as I can tell, Clinton Dix has been respected throughout his career, both in college and in the pros, for having approached uh, his job with a, a professional and workmanlike attitude. He's also only 25 years old, which is obviously awesome. Uh, He's not particularly expensive, at least right now. This cap hit for 2018. I'm not sure how this will be prorated, but it was only around $3 million for the year. 
the good aspect of his contract. The bad one is that he will, of course, be a free agent at the end of the season, so the Skins are only going to be getting, you know, whatever it is, nine more games or regular season games out of him. And then, of course, hopefully some playoffs. But this is indeed, you know, in in many respects, a rental. Anyway, in summary, my estimation of him as, as a player or as an asset to the team is that he is good, he is versatile, he is young, he is, at least for the time being, inexpensive, and he brings no apparent off-field baggage. So overall, of course, this is the kind of player that you want to add to any team. So what about the price then? Because, of course, any trade has to be evaluated within the context of uh, both sides. And the Redskins gave up a fourth rounder in 2019 for him. Coming into this year, the Redskins were, of course, expected to have their own natural uh, seven picks, one in each of the seven rounds. Um, They used a supplemental draft pick on Adonis Alexander, which will cost them their sixth from next year. And it is widely expected that they will be granted uh, probably four supplemental draft picks next year based on free agents that they allowed to walk last year. So that would have been seven plus four minus one, meaning 10. And now spending this fourth rounder on Clinton Dix drops them down, I think, to probably nine draft picks, fairly evenly distributed throughout the three days of the draft, although I think a little bit back heavy. First of all, uh, a mid-round pick, a fourth rounder for the the half season's worth of, of renting a good player like Clinton Dix seems to be fair and roughly the going rate. Um, the Eagles, for their part, I think uh, traded a third to get basically the same thing out of 30-year-old Golden Tate. Uh, Dante Fowler went to the Rams from the Jaguars for like a third and a fifth, and he's on an an expiring contract too. So these are fairly steep prices to be able to, quote, rent uh, a good player for the second half of the season when you're trying to make a playoff push. But I certainly don't think the Redskins got fleeced or worked or anything like that. seems pretty fair. The fourth round draft pick is nothing to sneeze at. Obviously, good players come out of the fourth round. I I do think there's a clear and and distinct difference between a third and a fourth round draft pick. And then in my opinion, a fourth rounder is kind of also then on its own tier. And then after that, fifth through seventh round picks are are clearly behind a fourth. Obviously in the fourth round, you could get a Jamison Crowder or you could get a Samaj P. Ryan or a Troy Apke. It was a gamble like anything in life and in football. But in this case, given the caliber of the player, to me, it seems reasonable. Obviously, anytime a team signs or trades for a player who is expected to start, you have to take into serious consideration how well the player is going to fit with your current roster and with your coaches and with your scheme. And I think this is a big plus in this deal because Clinton Dix, I can definitely see, you know, or at least I, I presume to know the logic that the, the coaching staff and the, and the front office may have in, in going out and getting this guy. The Redskins absolutely prize versatility in their safeties. Um, they have been doing a little bit more right and left safety this year as opposed to free and strong. Uh, but in general, there, there's still a fair amount of rotation and they absolutely need safeties. I mean, every team really does, but the Redskins especially do need safeties to be able to function as both a strong and a free. So it's valuable that I think Clinton Dix can. On top of that, I think the, the idea that he maybe leans a little bit more towards a free safety kind of guy uh, makes him a nice natural pair with DJ Swearinger, who's, who's uh, also versatile, but as we've seen, previously uh, benefits from playing a little bit more often in the box, and that's what he's been doing this year, and he's having a career year, as previously explained. Berenger, of course, hardly ever comes off the field for the Redskins, and Clinton Dix, by the way, literally has not missed a snap all season for the Packers. So putting these two guys out there together simultaneously, I think is a really nice match. In fact, that the idea 
of the Redskins having been in the uh, safety wilderness, so to speak, for like decades, and then now pairing two of the top safeties in the game actively, who are both uh, just coming into their primes, is really such a drastic change that it almost gives me whiplash. Hopefully this pairing can, in some ways, approach what we all hoped Sean Taylor plus LaRon Landry would one day turn into. Also, with regard to fit, something specific that I really like about how he'll work into this defense is that he has, um, as outlined nicely in an article, in fact, I think just today by Mark Bullock for The Athletic, he has a, a unique gift in covering uh, crossing routes, I think, and that is something that the Redskins could really stand to improve at significantly. In fact, we all remember that they really got shredded by the Colts and T.Y. Hilton on crossing routes like that. Furthermore, of course, Dallas went out and added Amari Cooper, and the Eagles signed or traded for Golden Tate, who's a slot specialist. So this does kind of feel like the Redskins' response in that NFC East arms race. And I think they'll really benefit from his ability to cover crossers in the middle of the field. How about off-the-field fit? Well, I've established that it sure seems like, by reputation, uh, he's a hardworking professional guy whose input into the culture change in this locker room will be welcomed. But I did initially wonder a little bit, you know, uh, how, how will this how will this affect a defense that has really been gelling, of course, over these last three weeks in particular, and essentially hitting its ceiling so far? I don't think it's pessimistic or unreasonable to to wonder how, you know, this new ingredient will affect the recipe and could it potentially be subtraction by addition. To that end, at least so far, it seems like that's probably an overblown concern. I think, first of all, Clinton Dix, who just had his opening presser here like an hour ago, uh, totally slayed it and was very convincing in, in explaining that he is super comfortable and ecstatic to be in Washington um, for many reasons, among them the fact that he has idolized Sean Taylor since he was a pup and that he's really excited to be able to to try and wear those shoes. Anyway, he certainly seems, for his part, extremely happy to be in D.C., which is obviously one huge part of that equation. Secondly, you got to make sure that your leaders on that defense, especially the other guys in the secondary, are also fully on board. Well, I mean, the coaches don't owe it to the players to make sure, but as a fan, you'd certainly like to see that there's expectation that these guys will hit it off. And it seems pretty clear uh, by their Instagrams and Twitter type stuff that Josh Norman and DJ Swearinger um, at this point are, are on board and excited with the move. And I don't think there's any reason to, to suspect that there would be friction or problems there. Furthermore, obviously, the Alabama guys will welcome Clinton Dix with open arms and, and probably find his uh, style quite familiar. Lastly, on this, I'll add that just sort of philosophically, I think if you're going to add a, a key player to your team in the middle of the season, in my opinion, of course, this is a, a broad generalization and, and doesn't apply in every case, but I, I kind of like the idea of adding um, an impact defensive player more than an offensive player because I think the risk of that of that player failing to um, adapt to the scheme, so to speak, is a little bit lower. I think in general in the NFL, the success of an individual defender is a little bit less scheme dependent than it is for the average offensive player. And the potential for total mismatch and just a dud of a signing is a little bit lower for a defender. So for all of those reasons, I'm I'm pretty bullish on the idea of Clinton Dix fitting in well with his new team. What do we think about Monte Nicholson in all of this? This is pretty interesting, actually, because coming into the season, the expectations for Nicholson were super sky high. Uh, Gruden was very explicit in his thinking that Nicholson was ready to absolutely take the next step. I mean, of course, we've done this several times, but he said at one point that he felt Nicholson could have a a Jordan Reed-like impact potentially on the defense overall. Maybe that single quote got a little blown out of proportion, but that was super high praise. 
And although Nicholson has managed to stay healthy this year, it does kind of seem like he maybe has taken a small step back in terms of regression so far. Not like he's really busted or seemed out of place, but clearly he has not made a ton of game-changing plays. He's had a few errors in coverage. He still needs to shore up his tackling a little bit. And that's okay. I mean, this dude's only 22, and he was only a fourth-round draft pick. And, and by the way, he was the one that everyone assumed immediately would be a huge bust. So this is far from a death knell for the career of Monte Nicholson or even the Redskins' tenure for Monte Nicholson. Also, as an aside, I heard some rumors that potentially he's not fully healthy right now. It's not clear to me exactly what his injury might be, but perhaps that factored in. The idea of bumping Monte Nicholson down the death chart a little bit into the third safety spot doesn't bother me one bit. He immediately becomes a really nice luxurious backup safety who can continue to develop his game and mature under uh, under under the tutelage of two really strong starters. So based on what the Redskins may have been hoping they would see out of Nicholson this year, I'm not sure that Clinton Dix will be like a huge upgrade over what the, what they thought Nicholson might be, but I do think it's very likely that he will be a substantial upgrade over what he's been so far. Also, let's not forget that they don't have to necessarily replace him one for one. I don't think Nicholson is going to just be absent. I expect to see a lot of three safety looks going forward, and especially given that the Redskins are are having their depth at corner tested right now, I think the idea of putting all three of those safeties on the field could potentially make the defense overall a little more multiple and, and definitely keep it dynamic. Let's prognosticate for a second and try and, and uh, imagine whether or not Clinton Dix might be a Redskin beyond this year. Obviously impossible to say for certain, depends quite a bit, of course, on how well, how well it goes for him over these next nine games and, and also on, on his health. It depends on what they truly think about Nicholson and, and how he maybe evolves a little bit over these last couple of months because he'll be a lot cheaper uh, in 2019. I suspect the Redskins are going to be doling out quite a bit of money to Brandon Sheriff sometime in the next 12 months, so that might significantly impact how much they can afford to spend on, an, on another good safety. But Swearinger's not breaking the bank right now. And then, it, you know, you have to think about what's going to happen with Norman, too. He's very expensive again next year, but will Norman be back? Will Norman be cut, restructured? If HaHa is just an absolute monster over the remainder of the season, it's possible that they could uh, think about prioritizing him over bringing Norman back. Obviously, they don't play the same position, but also, obviously, there is a very important symbiosis um, between safeties and corners. My bet is that they're hoping he'll play well enough that they'll be tempted or almost forced to keep him. And again, he's only 25. So if it's a match made in heaven, I definitely think there's a decent chance that he'll be back. And Swearinger, of course, will definitely be back next year at a very affordable number. He's 27. If he keeps balling out, he'll be a lot more expensive after 2019. But maybe we could look forward to these uh, these two studs patrolling the secondary for years to come. I'm not going to act like I know exactly why the Packers did this. They are 3-3-1 in a division that nobody is going to run away with, I don't think. And they have the best quarterback in the world. So why are they sellers at the trade deadline? It's not clear. I mean, okay, it's sort of clear. I mean, there's some obvious reasons, mainly being the idea that they seem to have decided that Clinton Dix is not somebody they intend to re-sign. I guess they anticipate him being more expensive than, than their value of him. He himself has been talking about that explicitly in the media for months, that he's no better than 50-50 to return. In fact, he seemed kind of resigned to the idea that he wouldn't be back. Now, I guess I get that. Obviously, the NFL is a business. But if he's really this awesome player, wouldn't you think that perhaps they'd make a bigger priority uh, of keeping him? I'm not sure what to say about that. 
I thought maybe if I looked at their roster, I would recall that they've got like two young studs recently drafted in the first round coming up to replace him. That's not really true. They drafted Josh Jones recently. I'm not sure he's like a slam dunk. But I think we have to acknowledge here that the Packers are sort of saying Clinton Dix is, is not irreplaceable or indispensable. If they just held on to him, they could have obviously benefited from having his services for the remainder of this year and tried to make a playoff push. And, and from where I'm sitting, if I've got Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I know his, his leg's not 100% this year, but he just signed a big deal. I mean, he's, he is <laughs> elite, which might be selling him short. And I would be trying my absolute damnedest to w- literally go to and win a Super Bowl every single year that I had him in that window because he's generational. Are they really sellers? Are they just like turning the season down? Or do they think actually that Clinton Dix is just not that big a key, you know, that important a piece of them making a, a playoff run in December? I'm not sure. They would have probably gotten something like Ballpark, a fifth round compensatory draft pick if they had just kept him and he had walked. Although, of course, that draft pick would have been pushed into the 2020 season. And now what they've done is lock up a fourth rounder for him in 2019. So I guess it was just a pragmatic business decision on the part of the Packers. But if there's one thing about this deal that triggers my antenna a little bit, it might be that. About a couple minutes on what the Redskins did not do at the trade deadline, which was to go out and add a corner or a receiver. I think it's pretty clear that the the idea that they didn't get a corner uh, bodes well for uh, what they what they think of Quentin Dunbar's health. In other words, he's probably going to be back this week or soon thereafter from this weird shin slash nerve injury thing. I think if they feared that that was going to turn that, that that was going to linger and that Greg Stroman was accordingly going to be seeing the field quite a lot through November and December, that they probably would have pushed um, a little harder for for a, a, a replacement corner. But I'm comfortable coming down the home stretch with Norman and Dunbar if he's back and Moreau, who's performed more than capably in the slot and with Stroman being a plucky uh, CB4 for the time being. Now, receiver was the spot that many people thought would be like their number one target. In fact, Cooley spent almost a half an hour talking about uh, whether the Redskins should go after Demarius Thomas or Golden Tate on his podcast. And I mentioned previously that you might be able to um, get good value out of Garcon or Deshaun Jackson, mainly because they're so familiar with uh, with their coach here and that they might be able to sort of hit the ground running more so than other uh, receivers brought in from the outside. But anyway, I do think there's some pretty sound logic to the idea that what's going wrong with the Redskins passing game right now is probably not going to be cured by the addition of any um, external receiver with the exception of some just total badass game changer, transcendent top five talent. And I don't think any of those were really on the market. The Redskins receiving core has battered injuries and ineffectiveness, but they've made some strides of late. In particular, Doxon came on catching all five of his targets last week, and he's looking better overall and tougher. So I think there's reasonable likelihood that you can count on him to at least contribute here over the next couple months. Richardson's been pretty decent and contributing one or two big plays a game or uh, at least uh, interference penalties for big yardage, which are equally helpful. And then I think Crowder should be back from injury pretty soon. In fact, I'm looking at Twitter now to see that he's practicing in some capacity today. And then hopefully they're also figuring out that they just, frankly, desperately need to get Jordan Reed much more involved than he's been. I mean, he got a bunch of targets last week, even though he didn't turn him into a lot of yards. So what this Redskins offense really needs to improve the passing game and accompany what's been a strong running game is for Alex Smith to just take a, a, a step forward in his grasp of the offense and command of his pass-catching options. And that is something that the Redskins may or may not be able to bank on 
but it is not something that they would have needed to trade another draft pick for. 